Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. And we're going to speak on the word unfriending tonight, unfriending. And uh, it's important that you understand that. Now, Sunday's going to be a very special day here, both 9 o'clock, both 11 o'clock. We're getting into a wonderful time of the year. This is Easter time. I love Easter. I love the fact that Easter is late this year, not early. I like that because uh, it's it just neat. I'll just have to tell you sometime it's a whole subject of mine. But I'll tell you one of these days why I like Easter late. But we're going to have Easter on the 20th of this month. And uh, we're going to uh, have a great, great time. Palm Sunday all the way through Easter Sunday is going to be a great, great eight days in this church's life. I want you to say, Pastor, Pastor. preach the word to me tonight. Let it touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Pastor, Pastor. preach the word to me tonight. Let it touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach the word to me tonight. Let me leave here a different person than what I was when I came in. You believe that? Shake a few hands and you may be seated. Let's have a Bible study tonight. Thank you, Randy. Let's have a Bible study tonight. As we walk into this final message... I will tell you that I have worked harder on this message than any of the other ones. And I'm still the least content with this message because there's a tension topic that we're going to talk about that we cannot let get away from us. Some friends play at friendship, but true friends stick closer than one's nearest kin, Proverbs says. I like for things to be clean and neat. I like for things to be black and white. I don't like the gray areas of life. I like clarity. And yet in this topic, there's a very real tension that keeps it from being completely clean. And I just need to tell you that going into what we're going to talk about because it's an important tension that we cannot ignore as we talk about this subject of unfriending. I call this message unfriending tonight because anyone who's on Facebook, anybody on Facebook? At some point in time, you might have that friend who's annoying and posts too much and goes on too many rants, and eventually you click unfriend. My secretary and I have been talking about things like this through the last few days. She's thinking about pushing that unfriend button. I'm thinking about pushing it. I already have. I've got off of it completely. Many have that problem. Now, don't raise your hand. Don't point at them. But is anybody here that you'd like to click unfriend on? Don't raise your hand. Don't point at them. I think Facebook has so many great values, and it adds to our relationship, and yet, I think unintentionally in many ways, it's changing the way we look at the term friend. For example... You may have 300 Facebook friends, but you really don't have 300 close, intimate friends in your life. And just the thought that you can click unfriend and distance yourself from people 
In some ways, it might be unintentionally cheapening what we mean by the term friend. So rather than saying we're going to just unfriend people in our pursuit of pleasing God, what I want to do tonight is talk of you about the times when you may need to redefine a friendship in your life. Redefine it. In fact, for those of you who are followers of the Lord, I would say it's imperative all seasons of your life that you must redefine certain relationships in order for you to continue on the right path. For some places that you are headed versus places that your friend are headed, your friends are headed are not the same direction. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down again. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. You need to write that and never forget it. That's been the thesis all the time we've been talking. You show me the people you're close to, and I will show you the trajectory of your life. Proverbs 13 and 20, Solomon, many years ago, said, Walk with the wise, and you become what? Wise. For a companion of fool suffers harm. In other words, you hang out with people who are wise, and they'll help you become wiser. You hang out with a bunch of I-D-I-O-T-S's. And you'll become a bigger I-D-I-O-T. I guarantee all of you can relate to me. As you look back over the course of your life, chances are pretty good that the most time you got in trouble, you didn't get in trouble alone. You always had a tonto, Lone Ranger. Almost every time I got in big trouble, it was because I egged on one of those idiots or some idiot egged on this one. And we got into trouble together. I hate to confess this, but I had a neighbor boy when I was a nine-year-old kid who was in, if you know what I mean. He was the kid at school that everybody liked, and so to be his buddy meant everything to me. I was over at his house one day, and he taught me the joy of tossing eggs over the backyard fence and timing it to hit windshields of cars that were driving down the street beside his house. That was fun until we heard the screech of a tire and we heard our door open and a man came running and screaming and he wasn't saying anything American. That's the first time I encountered the Taliban. He was coming after us. We ran and ran and ran. But this same kid taught me how to shoplift. I hate to confess this, but I've been here 24 years, so get used to it. He told me he never paid for candy or anything at the little corner grocery store. He always stole it. So I followed him around, and he started a candy rain in his pocket. He started filling his pocket up with candy. They were bulging with all kinds of good stuff. And I was raised in the church, and he wasn't, and I couldn't see myself doing that. But just as we were approaching the checkout stand, and one of the kindest men to ever run a corner grocery store in my life was checking us out, I slipped a piece of bubble gum into my pocket. Maybe two. I think it was three. <laughs> and I walked out and nothing was said because the grocery man did not see us. We were clean. I'd gotten away with shoplifting. I'd stolen my first candy. I did this at nine years of age. I had received the Holy Spirit that summer. Some of it had leaked out by that August time that we were. <laughs> Two things happened that day. 
Neither one was good. I could not put that bubble gum in my mouth. Because I was afraid it was going to be full of poison and I was going to die and God's going to send me to hell. And I could not sleep that night. I wrestled. I held three pieces of bubble gum close to my chest and I was begging for morning to come so I could go back and tell the store manager that I had stolen this gum. And I went back the next day and he was so kind and I started crying and I repented and I think I spoke in tongues. Just kidding. And he looked at me and he said, I figured you were the kind of boy that would bring it back. Thanks, son, for being honest. It pays. That's the last time I ever was dishonest and stole anything. Except maybe my brother's biscuit when he wasn't looking or something. (laughs) Proverbs 12 and 26 said, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Say it with me. The righteous... Choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. We're going to meet people by chance, but we deepen our friendships by choice. Say it with me. We meet them by chance, but we deepen our friendships by choice. We're going to meet them by chance, but, we, but the righteous will deepen everything we do by choice. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Our key thought today is this. If you're taking notes, you need to mark this down and put it deep in your soul. Put this on your refrigerator. It is impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. Would you say that? It's impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. It's absolutely impossible over the course of your life to live a God-honoring life when you do not have God-honoring friends. In fact, Paul, in fact, Paul says it this way in Corinthians, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Do not be misled. Why do you think he said do not be misled? I'll tell you why. Because it's very easy to be misled. It's extremely easy to be misled because we go by our emotions many times instead of our thought process. And our thought process is saying, no, 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 no. And our emotions is saying, oh, I can do this. In fact, I promise you there will be many of you who will try to rationalize away why this message does not apply to you because it does not fit you. And you're saying it's for somebody else. Oh, sure, friends. Your friends may be, you know, kind of sketchy in some places and maybe doing some things that aren't a real good idea, but you're better than that and you're different and they're not going to affect you and they're not going to impact you the way they might impact somebody else because it doesn't apply to you. I'm telling you, everybody in this building, what I'm talking about applies to you right now. Say amen to that. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You show me your friends, and I'll show you who you're becoming. You cannot live the right life when you have the wrong friends. It appears pretty black and white, doesn't it? Yes and no. There's a tension in this that we can eliminate, and here comes the tension. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character, so we need to stay away from tempting people. Yet Jesus, our Savior, was an example, and he was a friend of sinners. So do we stay away or do we engage and try to reach people? The Bible says don't be unequally yoked with non-believers. Pretty clear. 
Don't be joined with non-believers. And yet we're told that we should be the light of the world and should let our light shine in the darkness. Here's the conundrum. The scripture says, do not associate with people who are easily angered or you will become like them and endanger your soul. So stay away from those people. And yet we're told to go into the world and make disciples. And so it kind of raises a question. Here's the tension. Should we avoid those people that are going to tempt us and to run away from God? Or should we be the light and the darkness that reaches out to those people? Where do we do? Where do we go? The answer is yes to both. It's a dichotomy. The answer is yes to both. There's a tension that we have to embrace, that all the time we have to be careful not to let the wrong influences take us away from God's call. Can I say this, and I'll just say it real quickly. You're the light. People that are not saved are not the light. You bring light to them. And light always disperses darkness. Can you say amen to that? At the same time, we have to be careful not to let our hearts grow cold. Because God wants, us to use us, wants to use us to show his love to a world that does not know him. And there is a tension in this. So how do we resolve this tension? Well, part of it will never, ever go away. But what I believe at the foundation of this teaching is this principle. And here it is. I put it on the screen. If you're a committed follower of Christ, those people that are your inner circle of friends, those who are your core, I'd say the closest four, five, six, or seven people. If you're a follower of Christ, those who influence you and those who influence, uh, you influence the most must be committed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you getting it? The people that matter most, the people that you listen to the most, the people that influence you the most, the people that lift you when you are down, the people that talk right to you when you're needing help, the person that'll fight for you when you're having a struggle, the person that knows the person inside of you and doesn't see what the outer appearance is but what you really are in your heart, and the Nathan that'll look at you and tell you the truth. That's the kind of person that you've got to have around you, but you still have to love sinners like Christ loves sinners. Because that's where you're going to get your strength and your encouragement. That's where people are going to love and correct you. When your core is committed to Christ, your spiritual roots grow deeper. And when your roots grow deeper, your reach goes broader. What I just said is so important, so necessary. You get more solid the deeper your roots go in God. But when your inner circle, listen, your core is not made up of the right people. And you listen to the wrong voices. Your roots are not deep enough for your reach to be broad because the moment you go out, you'll get your spiritual behind kicked by the evil one because you don't have the strength to go and be who God calls you to be. So that's why you don't need bad around you. You need good around you. You need a core of people around you that have the same ideologies, the same faith. Come on, let me talk. The same hope, the same God. Amen. The same church. There is a, there's, there's something about a community called a church that's awesome. You hear me? There is something great about this. That's why we come here on Wednesday night. We walk in here and say, boy, I'm getting my strength on Wednesday night. Talk to me, pastor. And we need that. We need this core of community around us right now because you don't know what you're going to face tomorrow, but you cannot let those people give you your core values. Your values must come from people that believe and understand where you are in God. So don't associate with those who are easily angered or you'll be like them and yet your light 
and, and yet let your light shine in the world. George Washington wrote this, be courteous to everyone, but intimate with few. And let those few be well trained before you give them your confidence. True friendship is a plant of slow growth and must undergo and withstand the shocks of adversity. Jesus was a perfect example because in every way, you watch him, he loved everyone equally, but he didn't treat everyone equally. Well, he, was, he wasn't the right savior. No, 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 you, you got to get this. He loved everybody the same, but he didn't treat everybody the same. He loved everyone unconditionally, but he didn't treat everyone equally. He recruited 12 disciples, not 15, not 25, but of his 12, he spent more time with three than he did the other nine. Three went to the top of the Mount of Transfiguration, saw Moses and Elijah and saw a, a cloud come down and heard the voice say, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. Three was with him in the garden of Gethsemane and nine were at the gate or eight were at the gate and one was betraying him. What I'm trying to say is that he loved everybody the same, but he didn't treat everybody the same. He had to draw a line in the sand sometimes. He loved people and his disciples and sick people who needed healing and he'd say, sorry. He'd draw a line in the sand and he said, I've got to go spend some time with my heavenly father. And he would neglect those people who need him for 40 days at a time to get his roots deeper and to get his reach broader. Sometimes that has to happen. He loved everybody equally. He loved the Pharisees because he was God in the flesh. But because he was God in the flesh, he knew he couldn't trust the Pharisees. He loved them, but he couldn't trust them. I'm talking about this hard tension thing called unfriending. So though he loved them, he kept them at arm's length. You cannot live the right life with wrong friends. Say amen to that. Amen. So some of you said, okay, I think I got it. If all my friends are knocking off banks and high officials and organized crime, and they're cooking meth in their kitchen and selling it to fifth graders. I probably needed some different friends in my doing life group. You think? If that's what you're thinking, the answer is yes, absolutely. We're doing good. I'm getting through to you. Okay, but chances are that's not the case for most of you. Honestly, that's probably the case for some of you because I've met you and I'm glad you're here and you really need to be here. But the reality for most of you is that still some influence is close that you may need to redefine because you have made changes in your life. And some of the friends that God's brought you from have not made those changes. You don't have to unfriend them, but you may need to redefine friendship with them. Amen. Because it's very difficult when you go out here on Thursday or Wednesday night and you got a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And you used to be a Sixth Street, Sixth Street crowd and you used to go down and, and walk through Sixth Street and, and you couldn't even, didn't even know you was walking down Sixth Street. Because you had some stuff in you and you didn't know where you was. But now you've been changed. Now you've been sanctified. Now you've been justified. Now you've been filled with the Spirit of God. And no longer do you do those kind of things. But some of the people... Some of the people that you used to run with have not made the change that you've made. So you may need to redefine friendships before long because you're not walking the same road you used to walk and talking the same talk you used to talk. Come on, clap your hands to that. That's, that's good stuff. But here's what mostly we'll be talking about. It could be that there are those that are just incredibly negative. 
They criticize everything. Nothing's right. Every time you're around them, you're becoming less of who God wants you to be, and you're becoming more negative, more negative, more negative. Listen, listen. This gospel is a positive gospel. This church is a positive church. And you can't hang around boo birds and mully grubbers. You can't hang around people that don't like anything, even themselves. The first negative note you hear, you ought to turn on your heels and say, I thank you, I love you, I'm out of here, I'm not going to unfriend you, I'm just going to redefine it. Because we don't need people hanging around people that can't talk positive about what God is doing and about what God is doing for us in this place because God is on the throne with us right now. He's for us. It could be that some of them are tempting you to do things that are not honoring to God and you need to refine that relationship. Ah, it won't hurt. Come on. Do a little drugs with me. You ever been drunk? Oh, man, you ain't never lived. Need to get drunk. That would be so neat to see a Christian get drunk. That'd be so sweet. You may not want to push the unfriend. You might. <laughs> but you might want to redefine that relationship. It could be that there are some that are introducing values to you that are opposed to the values that God. and So you simply need to redefine some of those relationships. There's some values, folks, the world holds that we don't hold. There's some principles that they hold that we don't hold. There's some principles we hold that they don't hold. And I'm not trying to say just walk away. I'm telling you, you've got to redefine who has influence on your life and who doesn't have influence on your life. You can love them all equally, but you can't treat them all equally because it's a different mindset. We want to walk with God. Amen? You don't let everybody be in your inner circle. The righteous choose their friends carefully, and that's what we need to do. So to summarize kind of where we're going to be in the tension, I want to give you two things, and I'm going to let you go. Two things. We never let our friends do. And then we're going to look at one commitment that we'll always keep in all of our relationships. Okay, here's one of the two things we always need to do. I will never let my friends distract me from God's plan. Say it. I will never. Let my friends distract me from God's plan. How many of you believe God's got a plan for you? Let me believe that. Let me believe that. I will not let my friends distract me from God's plan. And that's exactly what Jesus did with Peter one day, who was one of his inner circle three. Whenever Peter, even with good intentions, thought he was doing the right thing, he tried to talk Jesus out of God's plan. And Jesus had to explain, hey, guys, I'm going to die and be raised back to life. And Pete said, oh, no, 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 no. You're not going to die. We've got plans for you. You can't die. You're going to be a king. You've got to be alive. You can't die. So what did Jesus say in his response to Peter? It's well-intentioned, possible distraction. He said in Matthew 16, 23, get thee behind me, Satan. Okay, if you ever need to make a point, just call your friend Satan. <laughs> and they'll know you're serious. Just call them and say, okay, the Lord said, get behind me, Satan. I'm going to tell you, get behind me, Satan. Now, just for a side thing, 
If your mother-in-law comes to you and she's getting on your nerves, don't tell her to get behind you and don't call her Satan, okay? Because she will probably get behind you and have a knife in her hand. And you'll be a statistic. And I'll be coming to the hospital to pray that God will give you life and that more abundant. So don't do that. He goes on to say, you're a stumbling block to me, Peter. You're a stumbling block. This is one of the good friends that the Lord has, and he's drawing a line in the sand. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have the mind of things of God, but things of men. So get behind me. I'm not going to let you distract what I'm on my way to do. Now, I don't know how this may come back in your friendships, but maybe you have some friends that are some good people, and you enjoy them. But from time to time, they come and say, hey, 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 you don't have to go to church. You went last week. You, you can go once a month. I mean, that's all you need. And they want to talk you out of going to church. And here's what you say. No, no, no. You're not going to distract me. Get thee behind me, S. You don't have to go to prayer meeting. That's on a Tuesday night. That's not even a church night. You're going to pray again? That's stupid. You've prayed enough for a lifetime. Look at them and say, hey, I cannot let you distract me from God's plan. Maybe they're trying to get you or you're trying to get out of a real materialistic mindset and lifestyle and you want to be more generous and help in ministries and help other people have more. And every time you hang around a certain group of friends, all they can talk about is the bling and the look and the hit. And every time you're with them, you find yourself falling more into love with money and the things that you do with people and with God. And you realize, I need to redefine this friendship. It could be there are some that's pretty decent people, but they all are into image. And they're all into show, some into sporting events that have become their God. And you know, and it's everything to them. Nobody here minds you going to sporting events. Nobody here minds you going to car races. Don't ask me to go because I don't want my ears to be gone before the NASCAR is over. But I don't, it's, it's, we're not preaching against sports here. But you cannot let anything become your God except God. Amen. 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 And when things get closer to him than you are to him, it's separating you from him. You know, I enjoy the San Antonio Spurs. Y'all know that. And they're playing tonight. And you know what? I could have got, a, I got a, one of our staff members to preach tonight, and I could have gone down and seen Brother Timmy. And St. Manu. <laughs> I really could have. And nobody would have known it. <laughs> but you know what? They'll play again on a night that I can go. I remember when I went to my first Major League Baseball game, I said, You know the only problem with this? Somebody said, No. I said, You can't come back tomorrow. Oh, it was fun. I saw a Major League Baseball game and I was hooked. Of course, it was in New York City. The Yankees, the house that Ruth built. My Lord, I felt like I was almost in <laughs> baseball heaven. <laughs> it was pretty neat. And I was sitting beside a guy and Dave Winfield was playing right field and the guy said, hey, Dave. And the guy looked up at him 
And this guy was my friend, and the guy looked up at him, and he recognized him. They went to high school together. And the guy's about six, seven. It was Jim Larson. And Larson said, hey, Dave. And Dave waved at him. And I thought, man, I know somebody that knows Dave Winfield. And I said, ask him if he'll go to dinner with us after the game's over. He said, that's too many words. I can't ask him that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with enjoying ball. I'm so excited Charlie Strong's in town. I love what he said about the horns the other day. He said, they didn't hustle at the end of the, end of the scrimmage the other day. They were laying down. They wasn't hustling anymore. I love that. Work them over, Charlie. We want a winner in Austin, don't we? But I, that's, that's not where our life consists of. We enjoy those things, but our relationship is with Almighty God. And we must keep that paramount in our life because that's what is important in our life. I love what Rick did with the, with the horns this year. He saved his job because I like Rick. He saved his job. But we cannot distract ourselves from God's plans. There may be well-intentioned people who say, don't do that. Don't spend your time there. I mean, don't do ministry. You can't make any money in ministry or whatever. I remember when I was first evangelized. I don't know why I'm telling this story, but I got it in my notes. I would go to churches and... I was a single evangelist, and I drove an LTD Ford, 1972, two-door, Hunter Green, bad-to-the-bone car. <laughs> I was single. Had lots of opportunities, if you know what I mean. A <laughs> lot of single girls came to the altar, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So I decided, I made this decision, I was going to live by the... I've exposed too much of me in these four weeks. I decided I was going to live by this slogan. Here's the slogan. I would never date a girl in a church that I was preaching. Never. If she was pretty, I could always go back and see her later. But the problem was the next place I went to, they had some pretty girls also. So time that, three or four, five, six, I've, I've preached revivals as long as four months one time. I preached five nights a week for four, four months one time. I ran out of sermons. I repeated some stuff. Just changed the title <laughs> to protect the guilty or the innocent, whatever. And so I talked to God one day, and I thought about taking back that vow. <laughs> and he said he didn't think that would be a good idea. So I went with his call. But I compromised in one revival. A girl from my home church came to the revival with a group of girls. She kind of liked me. That's an understatement. It wasn't really role reversal. I, you know, I liked her, but I liked everybody. I really did. I loved everybody. Even when I was a kid, I loved everybody. And I could pile six girls in the car and take them to Pizza Hut. and I'd buy them pizza, but none of them was my girlfriend. You'd have liked me to be with your daughter when I was a boy. And she thought it would be cool if she and I just went out, got something to eat, and talked a little, you know, catch up. The talk became mute. There was an attack on my life, if you know what I mean. Get to thinking with me now. She tricked me into thinking she just wanted to catch up on my evangelizing life, and she sprung a surprise attack. It was a gorilla attack on me. <laughs> that had never been <laughs> in our life before. 
Never, 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 never. And it never did happen again. It was obvious. She and I had different views about talking that night. There were two sets of values in the car that night. Hers was take no prisoners. Mine was ah, 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 staying alive. <laughs> I was saying, God, get me out of this. The devil spoke to me and said, hey, son, you're deserving. You work hard for the Lord. You deserve a break tonight. God sent her here to bring you glad tidings of great joy. That shall be to all people. You have to determine that people are not going to separate you from God's plan that he has for your life. Amen. I'd like to go on record and say that girl married a preacher. Woo, glory. I hope everything's cool and kosher. Number two, I will not let friends continually tempt me to sin. Say amen to that. I didn't put the lead in there. I will not friends continually. I, I messed up there. Oh, boy, Mitch is awesome. He put the lead in there for me. Thank you, Mitch. You're the best. I love people, but I'm not going to let them drag me down. Amen? An incredible example was Joseph in the Old Testament who was betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery. He had such integrity and honor in Pharaoh that his master found found favor with Potiphar. Evidently, he found favor with Potiphar's wife as well because she took a liking to him and made advances to him. And, and the rec- it's recorded in Genesis 39, 12, where it says, Potiphar's wife caught Joseph by his cloak and said, Hey, you big stud, take me to bed and lose me forever. That's the R- NRT version, the New Rex translation. Okay. The real version says, Come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. Come here. Come here, baby. But the Bible said he left his cloak in his hand, and what did he do? He ran out of the house, and he got out of Dodge. He didn't stick around and say, oh, it's obvious that you need some prayer. Can we pray together, sister? And talk about how you can improve your relationship with the Lord. He didn't do that. He did not stay around that which would tempt him. And there are those times when you'll have to redefine a relationship with a friend. Can you say amen to that? And I don't know how it'll play out if, if your friends are gossip, 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 gossip. And you know it's wrong. And you just have to say, look, if you're going to talk like that, I'm not hanging around with you. And you have to redefine that friendship. Can you do that? Amen. Anytime you talk like that, I'm walking out. Ladies, if all your girlfriends are always trash-talking men, like they're a bunch of no-goods, can't trust them, can't marry them, can't shoot them, have to hate them, you know, whatever. Listen, you're not going to have a better marriage listening to that kind of talk. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care where you're at, if you're in the park, if you're in a restaurant, whatever. We're going to honor men in our lives. We're going to speak well of them. And so anytime you go there, I'm walking out the door. And guys, I'm going to preach to you now. If all your buddies, every time you're with them, it's all about, ooh, that hot chick, oh, that hot chick, oh, my God. Woo! 
That puts hot sauce in me. What you just need to say is, look, I got one hot chick, and she's at home, and I don't have eyes for anybody else. And by the way, for all y'all, I love my chick. Just thought I'd say that to you. I love my chick. Anybody here love your chick? Come on, come on, love your chick. And, and you need to say, man, if you're going to play that game, I'm not going to go to the gym with you. I'm not going to go to ball games. I'm going to do whatever. I refuse to let you continually tempt me away from what God wants in my life. And, for, and at some season in your life, you may have to redefine some friendships. I'm closing now. As a new Christian, as a new Christian, some of you may need to redefine every single inner circle friendship that you had before you were a Christian. Your friendships were built on one common denominator. You know what it was? When you all got together, you sinned together. That's what you did. But now you've been changed. And so you don't sin together anymore. You do righteous things together. You do godly things together. Is it all right for me to talk like this? But there's one thing I promise I'll never stop doing, and I'm shutting down. Randy, come and help me. I will never, ever stop loving people with the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Never. Clap your hands and say, that's right, Pastor. We're never going to stop. Never. 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 And that's important. Don't miss the power of this because I'm shutting it down. I will never stop loving anybody that walks in this door with unconditional love. Never. Never. But I'm trying my best to bring you in to find friends and find relationships that make you look up and make you have hope. And make you dream big and make you think positive and make you not talk against but talk for what God is doing. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.